Welcome to our first podcast. This is Olin Krutz. I got Jason McKee here, my former teammate. We're new at this. J-Mac, I will give this a shot. Uh, hopefully we don't screw it up along the way, though I'm sure we will, and we'll get better at it. But anyway, what's up, J-Mac? What's going on, brother, man? Proud to be a part of this podcast. Uh, any opportunity we get to, to talk about our beloved Chicago Bears, but also to get us, get some insight from the fans and give our perspective on things, it's it's always a good time. So I know we'll make it fun, man. It's like being in the locker room again with you, brother. Yep, and you can find J-Mac at J-Mac37 on Twitter, right? Yes, sir. You can find me at Olin underscore Crutes on Twitter, and and of course, uh, we went through, like, what were we going to talk about on our first podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we thought, okay, for years since Coach Nagy got here, you know, obviously 2018, they were pretty good at running the ball. They are pretty good at a lot of things in 2018. Yeah. But we thought, okay, we'll, we'll help them fix their run game. Yep. But then we dove down that rabbit hole and we found J-Mac, which was interesting. And what we kind of thought was... Their running game really isn't their problem. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, last year, obviously, you, you think you can pinpoint a problem with the team, and everybody's talking about, oh, the run game, Nagy's got to call more runs, this and that, and when you look at it, and like you said, oh, we, we dove deeper into the Bears' offense, and, you know, like you said, I, I'm going to take your word, like you said, it's a, is the running game really a myth? Because, you know, you did your research and, you know, you brought something to light that I didn't really look at. I'm looking at the run game like everybody else, but it was uh, the points per game, you know, Mm -hmm. scoring points. Obviously, there's a premium in the NFL. Right. And and if you look at their numbers, like, say, in 2018, really, when they started playing bad offense, Jay, it was against the Rams. Remember, because Trubisky got hurt. He came back that week, week 14, right, after Chase Daniel went in for him. And... They scored only 15 points that game. They rushed for 194 yards, mm-hmm. right? And you can find game after game like this. The next year, uh, I think they played the Broncos. They rushed for almost 160. They rushed for a lot of, they only scored 16 points that game. They rushed for a lot of yards against the Chargers yep. uh, that year. They only scored 15 points that game. So their problem has been scoring points, putting the ball in the end zone, which is always confusing because when you hear Coach Nagy and Ryan Pace talk, the things they talk about is we got to get the O-line and the run game fixed, and that's the problem. Exactly. And, you know, as we know, we play, though, it's 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 one thing for an offense to have a lot of yards, and then you get in the red zone, um, you know, in scoring position, and, and that field becomes condensed. It's a lot harder. You got to be more creative. Um, it's obviously a little bit easier for the defense because now they force they can force you to turnovers, but you got to be creative. And, and like you said, in the NFL, it's about putting that ball in the end zone. No matter if you're playing at home or away, you know, obviously we'll take the consolation prize of, of the field goal, but points are a premium. So it, it's finishing drives, regardless of all the yards and all that stuff. You can run for whatever, you can pass for whatever, but if you're not putting the ball in the end zone, you have a problem. And I think that's something that, you know, definitely you brought to light. I think that's something that they need to really focus on this offseason. And, and I think, J-Mac, if you talk about why do they have a problem fixing their offense, it's because they don't know that that the run game is not their problem, right? Yep. And then the next year, we go into the next year, and you know I get teased a lot because, yes, Harry Heastan is a good friend of mine, but uh-huh. obviously when, when we talk about the Bears, what people need to understand is just being as honest as possible, right? Yeah. And I'm going to look at the film and tell you exactly what I see on the film. I could care less who's in the building, who's not in the building. Yep. Um, so the, we're going to the next year and they say, well, the O-line was a problem and that's real. It's something Ryan Pace said at his press conference, right? So Heffer gets fired. Uh, Harry Heastan gets fired. Uh, I think Gilbride, the tight end coach, gets fired, right? Mm-hmm. And they bring in Clancy Barone, uh, DiFilippo, Juan Castile, and mm-hmm. Lazier. All guys who are out of jobs they bring them in to fix their offense and they're going to fix the problems that they have I think they realized pretty quickly that those guys weren't their problem their problem J-Mac and this is what me and you have circled to is the fact that they cannot figure out what personnel to put together and put on the field look they say the O-line's a problem Mm J-Mac fine cool fix the O-line then I'm going to wait and watch you sign Jermaine Effetti and Spriggs out of Green Bay Right. You know, look, you give Quinn 70 million dollars. You didn't say your pass rush was a problem. 
but you went and f- tried to fix your pass rush. Uh, uh, we'll go over in another podcast mm-hmm. the kind of year Quinn had, but yeah. we'll leave that on the side for now. Yeah, and, and, so, yeah. and, and, and and two names that were out there now were Graham Glasgow and Conklin. One ended up Cleveland, the other ended up at Denver, right, mm-hmm. for $80 million. You could have had both of them for almost what you paid Quinn. Yeah, and, and, and the same thing now, you know, like you said, you, you go in a different direction, which even when we were here, there was an emphasis on defense. <laughs> I mean, every year they were drafted somebody in the first round. Who They drafted Tommy Harris while we were here. We got we got, we got got Chris Williams one year. Chris Williams we one got, year. We got a bonus on offense. We got Chris Williams. <laughs> we got to go through that again. You know what I'm saying? One but, day we got to go through the drafts, but, yeah. Yeah, but it, but our time here, oh, and you were here longer than me, but, I, you know, during our time, majority of the money, you know, the first round, the guys, it, it was spent on defense, right? Mm-hmm. And like like you just mentioned, you know, you bring in Quinn for all that money, but you could have brought in some premium offensive linemen that could have really helped you on the offensive line that could have, in turn, quote unquote, fixed the running game, but also help you score some points in the red zone. So, you know, you, you look at that and say, where is the money going? And now we're in a situation where in the first round, you know, all these mock drafts saying, okay, the Bears need to tackle. They need this. They need to fix their line. Well, you could have addressed that in the offseason last year, but you chose once again to spin it on defense to improve your pass rushing, which, like you said, the pass Pass rush has declined from 2018 to 2020. I actually got those numbers right here, too. Right. Yeah, and, and look, um, I remember in 2008 or 9, J-Mac, and I've told this story before, but I went upstairs after Cutler got sacked, I think some <laughs> obscene like 3,000 times. We were right. bad on offense. Right. And I went upstairs and I said, hey, love you, man. We are bad on the offensive line. You got you to gotta get us some help. Mm-hmm. He said, don't worry, big guy. Uh, we're going to do that for you. So I'm watching the TV free agency night opens uh-huh. to fix the offensive line. They gave Erlacher, Pina Tillman, Lance Briggs. They gave them Julius Peppers. So, mm-hmm. so we, mm-hmm. we didn't. And I think I think it was to the tune of a hundred million oh, at that course. time. I think that's what Pep got. I, obviously, uh, we got to look up the exact numbers on yeah. that. But like you said, uh, it's just lip service if you're not adding the personnel it takes to actually fix the offensive line. Now look, they lost James Daniels this year. He tore his pec. Uh, they had Kyle Long in 2018 for the first half of 2019 his body deteriorated fast. Mm-hmm. But if you're in that building, Jay, like you know, that's your job to see those things coming, yeah. right? Bobby Massey, I think, has only played a total of 14 games in the last two years. So you've had a backup right tackle on the field for all those other starts. So when you look at the offensive line, they got lucky this year, and of course, I'll give my guys a shout on the first podcast. Yes, sir. They got Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars, yeah. and they stepped up and went there and played good football for them, and not lucky. That takes scouting, right? Yep. That takes bringing guys in, uh, developing them. That's another thing I want to attack, attack with you is developing players that you have drafted because if you really want to look at why the Bears are not good on offense, you look at their free agency, J-Mac, mm-hmm. and you look at the players they've drafted and have any of them developed into good football players. And look, when we say Pro Bowl football players, we are talking about guys who actually made the Pro Bowl the first day it was announced. You mean that wasn't like the fifth alternate? No, no, we don't take those, Jay. We don't take the alternates anymore. (laughs) If you you have alternate alternate by your name, you did not make the Pro Bowl that year. I'm glad we have the same sentiment about that because, you know, being a player who didn't have the opportunity to go to the Pro Bowl, and uh, I felt like I should have went the year we went to the Super Bowl, but Mm -hmm. like you said, now you have guys who, you know, you have the true Pro Bowlers who don't want to go to Hawaii because they've been there three or, you know, three or four times and they don't want to pay that big ticket of bringing a family over and you get the guys who are the second and third alternate and they're actually a pro, pro bowler because that front line guy didn't want to go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like you said, are they really a pro bowler? No, every, you know, like you said, it's, it's almost a discredit to those, to the guys who actually made the pro bowl, mm-hmm. you know, officially, uh, it's almost a discredit to them. But, but going back to what you said, you know, talking about the offensive line and, you know, you mentioned those guys, you mentioned Alex Bars and Sam Mustafer, guys who actually developed and came in at a crucial time you know, for this bear saying me where we were reeling for offensive linemen. And, you know, you make you bring up a good point about development. And when you look at the other teams in the NFC North, development is huge. I mean you look at Green Bay, right? Every year they have an unknown step up. You know, you have receivers, Alan Lazard, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, all these guys, right, who they bring in, who may have not been headliners via via the NFL draft, but they bring them in as an unknown, right? And granted, you have a great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and they got a good scheme over there uh, with Matt LaFleur, but you come in, right, 
And, you know, these guys coming as an unknown, but now they're known because they've been developed, right? And then you have also the development comes with that trust in your quarterback, right? So they have talent, but they're developed. They fit into their scheme. Aaron Rodgers trusts them. Now he's getting the ball to them. And now they're unknown. You know, with Chicago, I think we've always had a problem of, uh, you know, bringing in bringing in guys, you know, undrafted guys, uh, you know, lower round uh, drafted guys who were actually developed. And then the, the guys that we do have that make plays consistently, guys who can help this team, there's always a problem with re-signing them. And we're in that situation now with Allen Robinson. I mean, we 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 Alshon Jeffrey went to the Eagles. Could have had him. He was at he was at the height of his career when he was here in Chicago. Boom, he's gone. And then those guys go on to have good careers elsewhere. Alshon Jeffrey leaves. He went to Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Allen Robinson, right now, it's up in the air on whether or not he'll be back. Bro, you, with all those, when you're talking, all I'm thinking is, I thought this podcast would be hard to talk about things. There's a lot to talk about ton, with the Chicago Bears. And I used to have that argument with people when they would ask me year after year here, uh, besides the 2001 offensive line group and a 2005 and 2006, mm-hmm. Olin, what's wrong with the offensive line? Of course, you don't sell your teammates out, but you want to say, just look at the drafts. Yep. Look at the drafts since, well, you can look at the, the last two tackles the Bears have drafted and developed, I think are Keith Van Horn and Jimbo Covert. Right, that's that's way back in the '80s now. Yeah. That, that, that's a long time ago. And then for the Bears in 2001, they had to sign Blake Brockermeyer away from the Carolina Panthers, right? And then in 2000, in that 2006 team, the 2005-2006 run we made, we signed John Tate away from the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. So the last time the Bears actually took a tackle and developed him would be Leno. Yep. Charles Leno would be a guy they took it laying around a pretty good find, uh, an average tackle, and he gets paid like an average tackle. I think this year he'll be like you know 15th or below mm-hmm. uh, paid this year, and he doesn't play terrible, but eventually you get to the point of what do you expect out of this guy, right? Yeah. And then you go to the Bears' tight ends, right? And, and from when Coach Nagy got here and that 2018 run they had, you're talking about Taylor Gabriel they signed. He had a good year that year. Yep. Trey Burton played well, right? He played yep. well that year. They had Deion Sims playing a lot on that team. Uh, and then Allen Robinson. And you can see why when you watch the film, Bobby Massey had his, his good year that year in 2018. Leno played at a pretty good level in 2018. And you could see why, Jay, why that year they had a pretty good year. Yeah, and, and you think about it too, and you brought up some good names, and I'm glad you went there, uh, kind of segueing it to the tight end, right? So, you know, you brought up Trey Burton and all those guys. Yeah, they had a good year, right, that year, but then what happened the next year? Trey Burton didn't really play, and that goes back to development. I mean, you drafted Adam Shaheen, what was he, a second round, if I'm not mistaken? You draft Adam Shaheen in the second round, right? Yeah, Shaheen was, he enjoyed, he was more an expert at Chipotle and Jiu-Jitsu, from what I understand, <laughs> why he was here. But, but look what he's doing down in Miami now, right? right? You, get in, you get in a scheme, and you get in a situation to where, one, you're developed, one, the coaches are going to, you know, give you an opportunity to be successful with the skill set that you have. Like, you know, situation in Maggie, Maggie's offense, like you can't fit. We've heard we've heard uh, the, the quote is cliche, right? You can't fit a square peg in a round hole. If he doesn't fit your system or he can't run the certain route tree that you want that tight end to run, don't force him to do it. But put him in a situation where he can be successful, right? He's been successful in Miami because why? In the red zone, they throw the ball up, he goes and gets it. Why? Because he's blessed with height and he has that skill set to where he can go get the ball right but you had to bring in Jimmy Graham to do that when you already had a guy that you drafted in the second round and Adam Shaheen who had that skill set who could have helped you in that situation and it goes back to how we started the show points at a premium right Mm -hmm. where you got to creative there's a guy who could have helped you in the red zone right and and the thing about if we talk about Jimmy Graham there's your disappointment when you hear the thing Coach Nagy and Ryan Pace talk about fixing Mm -hmm. and then the guys they sign it doesn't match up, J-Mac, right? So, okay, I got to fix the run game in the offensive line. Right. So I'm going to go sign the worst run-blocking tight end in the NFL, who's right. Jimmy Graham. And look, Jimmy Graham, if we're talking about scoring points, J-Mac, right. he helped him this year. I think he had eight touchdowns. He was he was a weapon in the red zone. I actually thought they should have used him more. Yeah, Split him out one-on-one, yeah. uh, attack guys down there. One thing I think about, and we'll get this into later podcasts, I think about Coach Negative in the red zone, is they have to think players and not plays. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think they think plays too much. They want their scheme to be the star. And not but but we're trying to talk about the way the way they assembled this cast. So like me, like for me, it's just on the outside looking in, I'm thinking, okay, they said the O line's a problem, they fired the O line coach. So I'm thinking they're gonna bring in a new O line coach, Juan Castillo, well respected. Mm-hmm. Coach Nagy knows him from Philadelphia. I think they're gonna bring him in and I think they wanna bring in maybe a, a really good backup running back for Montgomery, right? Right. And a good run blocking tight end so we start running the ball here and, and a couple offensive linemen they do none of that none of that they bring in Jimmy Graham J-Mac who doesn't want to block he'll say you don't want to block yeah he well <laughs> you no, don't want to block I can turn the film on I can <laughs> right. see him not want he don't want to block he's screaming at me I don't want to block right. and, but he knows he knows what he's good at right so they bring him in right and then on Sundays you're shooting up Cordero Patterson a great returner but not a great two number two running back right you're shooting up Ryan Nall and you're shooting up Jimmy Graham and I've said this many a times once you do that I know you're not serious about fixing the run game yeah but and we know from when we played here in Chicago um what is this offense's identity right we talk about the run game but those guys you you mentioned right are those guys that they want to get down and dirty are they blue collar guys that want to get down in, in the nitty gritty in the run game you got to have guys like that we had guys like that we had Olin Krutz we had Ruben Brown we had John Tate we had Roberto Garza we had Fred Miller you know what I'm saying we had Thomas we had a bunch of great running backs who you know one they may say our offense was a civil civil war style offense line up <laughs> but it worked it though. definitely was but, and we had an identity remember, we knew what we were good at remember that Cardinals game <laughs> the one everybody talks about oh, God. and we were on a run on offense we were scoring yeah. like 30 points a game I yeah. remember lying up against the Cardinals, Jay. And they were in 5-3 goal line. Yeah. And then they, they looked at Rex and they were like, you, you gotta beat us. You're gonna have to beat us today. And I, I remember and I remember I asked the nose guard, I forget who he was that day. Or was it the middle linebacker? I said, are you guys running goal line? <laughs> and he just started laughing. He goes, yeah. Oh, we know what you're trying to do to us. We know right? what we're good yeah. at. We run the ball, right? Play tremendous defense. And we play great special, great special teams. We're blessed to have, you know, who should be a future Hall of Famer. Obviously, we have that another podcast and Devin Hester. So we know what we're good at, but that was our identity. What is this team identity? Who are the bona fide leaders on this team? That still remains to be a question, in my opinion. Right, and, and they, they go back and forth, right? They, they go to foes. They're running RPOs. Um, they're trying to run the spread offense, the Andy Reid, the college concepts with the college run game. And then all of a sudden, through a four-game stretch against the worst defenses in the league, they're running outside zone, a Kyle Shanahan scheme. Yep. And and I had a good, a great coach one day. He said, if the guy who who coached that play on the screen is not in the room, don't install that play yep. in my scheme. So to your point, I don't think the and, and and we've gone off you know the reservation here, obviously trying to fix this offense because we want to say with just personnel, you could talk about that for mm-hmm. thirty minutes. But I don't think when you keep asking them, what are you guys? Or what is their identity? The, here's the problem with the Bears when you talk about what quarterback should they sign? Who I don't think they know. They don't. I don't think they know what they want to be yet. They don't. It's and it's going to take. I mean, that's what the offseason is for. That's why you have all the scouts and, and personnel. It's for them to figure it out. So it remains to be seen. Hopefully, we can we can get some guys in that we can actually develop and you know get a system in which we know what the identity is. Cool, man. All right, Jay Mag, we got our first guest of our podcast, our official podcast, and this won't surprise who we have here, but we don't have a name yet. That's pretty much we're the podcast with no name right now. Uh, but he is uh, Tony Wise, coach football for a long time, 30 plus years, offensive line, won national championship Miami, uh, won the Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, mm. actually took a chance on a center from Honolulu who some say would have character problems. Um, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. Uh, Coach Wise, how's it going, man? Good. Oh, how are you doing today? Great to be on the No Name Podcast. <laughs> I think you'll leave it that way. Right. No Name Podcast. No Name, and, and we'll probably get 10 listeners total on this one. <laughs> well, I hear you. I mean, you're competing against a lot of guys. We uh, are. We are. But, uh, Coach, we wanted to bring you on. The first question I wanted to hit you with real quick was um, – with no combine, and I, and I think, I haven't known with this whole pandemic going on, I think they're going to have some pro days, but with no combine, uh, what are these coaches looking at? How are they going to scout and find offense alignment that they want on their team? Boy, it's tough. Uh, it's, I mean, it really, your question starts with a senior bowl. They weren't, they weren't allowed to go to the senior bowl. That really, 
you know, for guys that aren't in the playoffs or the Super Bowl, that's what the whole thing started. Is it's and pre-television when you could stand, and I would stand there with Joe Bugle and Howard Mudd, and we stood right next to pass rush drill, mm-hmm. and you and you saw the the twelve or fifteen linemen, you know, fifteen on each squad. Uh, that was a great. So, in answer to your question, uh, just like in all things pandemic, they are having some meetings about how to do this. And the problem with pro days, which has always been the case, obviously is travel. How do I get from the kid at Oregon to the kid at Northwestern to the kid at Alabama? And uh, how do I coordinate that? And so that's the part that I think is going to be in some regards a nightmare. Now, some guys may not care, but in, for me, it would be a nightmare to try to coordinate that. Coach, I'm, I'm going to keep keep it with the draft and, you know, continue on what you were talking about. What are some of the traits that, you know, you would look for in an offensive lineman? You know, some of the straight uh, traits, some of the skill set that, that you would look for if you were drafting an offensive lineman? Well, Jason, I'm old school now, so I'm, I'm looking toughness first, toughness uh, mental and physical, uh, ass and leg strength, uh, and the ability to to show that when you put the on that you enjoy hitting guys. Because as Olin knows, and well, we both do, that as time goes by, you know, there is a point in the game that hitting is becoming less of a factor. And um, when you guys ask me to talk about this I've, I've always I tell everybody whether it's uh, Olin or uh, Chris Valero or uh, Eric Williams I remember uh, it was one play and I'm watching film of Olin it was third and one mm-hmm. and the nose guard got about four inches off the ground and Olin snapped the ball with three inches off the ground and he rooted <laughs> him out of there and I said I'm serious now and I said that ass and leg strength and at critical points, I said, "This is." I really kind of shut the film off and say, "You know, this guy can. This guy has it. Pass protection can be taught. You know, if you're a tough guy and you can move your feet, you got some. That can be taught. Toughness and run game ability. It is difficult to teach that." And another guy, coach that that I played with, and, and I know you're. But we talked about him before. Is Todd Perry with his flat back? Uh, guys can exactly look him up, right, and yes. find film on him. This guy, J Mac. I mean, mm. guy, you did people. I think he went to the University of Kentucky. Uh, exactly. He was here when I got yep. here. Big guard, uh, played at Miami with Coach Wise. To coach, you know, they were smart. They took him down there. This guy could man. You should have seen this guy wow. come off the ball. If there's any young lineman uh, listening to this podcast, if you can find Todd Perry film, he's the definition. In a flat back. I'm telling you, oh, this awesome. guy was really, amazing, was, man. The, the other two, the other guy that was Chris Valero. Oh man! I mean, he come out of Indiana, PA, and Jay. This is what we're talking about. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's Indiana, PA, and I used to kid him because I said, "How does he? He didn't want to go to camps because he was an outdoorsman and he was hunting and fishing, all kind of things." So mm-hmm. I always said, "How how did Penn State miss on you?" Well, <laughs> that. So. But this guy, when you put the positive thing, when you put Chris's film on, you saw him run block. Mm-hmm. You saw Olin run block. You yeah. saw Eric Williams run block. As you guys know, nowadays it is more difficult. Uh, but again, I'm old school like that because I think it, it, it's going to be difficult for the line coach to teach a guy to be tough. Mm-hmm. As we know, if you're a tough guy, and you've got ass and leg strength. We we can build on all the rest of it. Yeah. So on that note, Coach, uh, and you know Chris Falera, I'm going to have to tag him to listen to this podcast because he really gets angry when because Penn State didn't recruit him. Their <laughs> <laughs> mistake. And I for just sure. tell him he was you weren't good enough in high school. That's, that's not the coach's fault, Jay. Um, no, that, that's what you have to do. You were not good enough, and that's just send him to a race and fifty caliber and 
Start shooting things. Yeah, he, he was Chris was Chris was a mean guy, man. He I remember coming in and, and having an opportunity to to you know have Chris in a uh, Chris in the locker room. He he was tough. I mean he he was exactly exactly what you said, Coach. And I hope that uh you know hope some some of the Bears personnel is listening to to that gold that you just put out there as far as when they're evaluating these offensive linemen. You know toughness as a premium because you know Olin talks about it a lot. And you do have all these guys. They look good at the combine. They're in shorts. They you know they're big athletic guys but there's no drill at the combine that can measure toughness you know you can you can exactly you know yes exactly right you, you you've got to you got to put the film on and then you've got to again those practices you know that's what you're counting on the scouts to say hey look is this a tough guy is he not a tough guy you know third and one is the team he's from are they gonna are they gonna run behind him every single time mm, yeah. um but I, I, you know, and, and, and I, I trust the scouts. I trust everybody. So I've never been involved in that. But you know, the back and forth. But I just put because the the when you start the first round and you start going downwards, you, the athletic ability is going to go downwards in the draft. It's just a matter of it's just the way the thing is. So as you get to the fourth round, he is less of an athlete than the guy in the first round. That, that's just normal. But what you're counting on at that fourth round, hey, this guy's tough as nails. He's police smart enough, and and he'll get it done. Th- those type of things. So, Coach, nowadays, like you know, with all the new CBA rules, they've cut out a lot of practices. They've cut out a lot of padded practices. When you think about young offensive linemen coming in, like for me, I came in uh, – Played my first year. You were my offensive line coach. Uh, you guys were developing me. Developing me. I learned a lot from Casey Wigman. He was a really good center. A guy I watched a lot of in that first year, just to learn how to be a pro, uh, learn how to study my my playbook and things like that. And you're developing these linemen with all your padded practices in camp, padded practices during the year. And now they've taken that away. Well, what what are these coaches facing right now when they try to develop young offensive linemen that don't come in ready to play? right away well i think again both of you know this is that when you put the pads on now you can you can turn this into well the pads on it's like as if the game is being played so now this this theory of pad level you know because pad level is not normal as you're saying Mm -hmm. you have to coach and still practice whatever those words are that you have to work on that because as we know, you get out there and everything is hunky-dory, but then again, you're going to face Aaron Donald, who's going to be lower than you are. Mm. So the only answer mm. is to get lower than he is, or Vince Wilfork, or uh, Cleo Mack, or you, just, you pick the names out. And there has, to, there has to be a point where the offensive lineman is underneath the defensive lineman, and that comes from uh, practice, and the, the biggest thing is there are challenges. That's the thing that the offensive line coach has got to solve. I don't know if it's solvable, is in my opinion. Mm. That's a good point. I mean, that that's and it's it's funny you say you're old school coach and everything you describe that that's old school. But you know, and, and some old school gets it done. And you know, me and I only been talking about this Bears offense and the running game. And you know, is it a myth? Is it really the running game? But um, I'm not sure how much you got an opportunity to watch the Bears this year. But schematically, just looking at, uh, at some of the things they do in their run game. What are some of the things you think they should do and they could fix? You know, should they simplify it? Or, or what are some of the things that you see from, you know, from an offensive line uh, coach perspective? Well, when, whenever somebody mentions run, as you guys both know, the media, you know, the radio, whatever they say, well, the run. And because the Steelers are the same. I'm in Pittsburgh and the Steelers are the same. You know, where mm. offensive linemen stink. They're not trying to run it. <laughs> all that kind of nonsense. <laughs> and and the, the thing, you do have to run the ball. Because at some point, as you guys know, we're going to have to run it. And if you have not practiced running it, uh, it's like all things in life. You're not going to be very good at it. So the places I've been... You always had to have one or two runs. Where if I turned to Olin and says, "Oh, we're going to run forty-two something." Mm-hmm. I turned to Cat. Cat, we're going to run forty, whatever. 
and and they had confidence because they knew every single front that the Vikings would come up. We know we can block that front. And again, I keep mentioning this. You guys know it. You come up and and uh, and you say to Cat, Cat, we're running, or he might turn to me. It's just Tony. Mm-hmm. I want forty pull over me and Todd Perry right now. And then uh, okay, that's all I got to tell Ronnie Turner. Okay. <laughs> I'm, Cat, oh, I'm gonna call you know, him there. Cat wants it up his butt right now. Well, yeah. that's you know. <laughs> and then so what you're describing is that you know the Bears. If you have the the, the, the Bears lineman, he may not come up with one single run that say, "Hey, jam it right here, and we're gonna block every front they have." But that, but 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 that goes back to, like you said, Coach. Everything that you have said throughout this whole conversation, when talking about offensive line, the common denominator. Even when you brought up Cat, you brought up Olin, you brought up Eric Williams, all the greats that you had the opportunity to coach, and they all had the opportunity to play under you. They all have that one quality that you that you started the conversation with, ah, and that's yeah. toughness. That's toughness. And even yeah. for a running back, like for a running back, you know, we've been blessed to have some great running backs here in Chicago, and it was like, hey, yes. you know, if you if the O line blocks to play for five. Well, you know, you're a tough back. We expect you to get three more. So we expect you to get eight. The play's blocked for five. We expect you to get eight. And that goes back. Exactly right. And that goes back to toughness. And and I wanted to segue that question with um, you had the opportunity to be here for a long time. So, you you know, you had the opportunity to to coach and open up holes for a lot of great running backs. And me being a running back, a fan of all the running backs and looking at some of the backs that you had. I mean, you had Neil Anderson, Curtis Enos, Edgar Bennett, Raymond Harris, James Allen. A train, Anthony Thomas. I mean, so many good backs that have carried on that legacy here in Chicago. Um, with all those great backs, who, who were some of your favorites and, and some of the qualities you know those guys had? Well, Rashawn Salam was a wonderful kid. I mean, he was you know he came in and, and uh, obviously at that position you got you you're counting on him starting, mm-hmm. and uh, so he comes in and as you know as a young guy he's got a shoulder load. We were we were very hard headed in the things we ran, but it was successful, and uh, he did a wonderful job. But the guy, the guy that got really pressed in the service was uh, Raymond Harris. Uh, he was a very good belly runner. He didn't he did not have a great career because he just, he just didn't have a lot of speed. Yeah, but he could avoid people, and he and he had a sense of the running games and things like that. So he he did a wonderful job. Yeah. Hey, uh, coach, I, I, going back to learning how to get under people, J-Mac, I remember like one of my first nine on sevens against, coach, you remember Mike Wells? Mike yeah, Wells is the nose guard here. At, at, yeah. And I used to do yeah. this silly jump turn coming out of college, right? I thought it would work <laughs> on everybody. And coach was trying to get me to stop doing it, get my pads low, get under the guy, drive him off the ball. And, you know, of course, I'm a 21-year-old rookie. I can block. I can jump turn Mike Wells. Well, he picked me up off my feet, slammed me on my head about six yards oh, wow. in the backfield. And I think I got up. And I don't remember if Coach Wise ran up to me or he, he said it to me later. He said, Coach Wise said, Olin, you have to work on that. That's the block you were drafted for. <laughs> and I remember thinking, man, I, I don't know. But, but to his point. There was a lot of work to do. Yeah. Uh, on, and not only like you can say get under Aaron Donald or someone like Mike Wells, but but coach, until you go against someone that good and that strong, you don't really know exactly what you got to do. I would, yes. And then because we, when I was at the Jets and we had uh, Ted Washington, we were at the mm. Bears, you're going to face that zero nose guard that's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. remember Jerry Fontenot, Chris played some center. Uh, and Chris got in there against uh, uh, Ted Washington, and my goodness gracious, I mean, 340 pounds, yeah. and he's got great leg strength. My goodness gracious, if you're not, if you are if you don't have leg strength to toughness, <laughs> my goodness gracious, your helmet will be sideways when you come off. Yeah, let me tell you, as a fullback, I know, uh, you know, nine on seven was not fun when I first came here, and you had to look over, and you see Ted Washington over there. That wasn't, nine on seven wasn't a, wasn't a good period for, yeah. for yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and Keith Trailer yeah. oh, oh, behind him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not, that's not even trailer. fair, man. That's not yeah. fair. Keith Trailer, there you go, right yeah. there. Well, yes. well if, and that's sometimes that's when you think name. about it, right, Coach, like, Trailer, Ted, and Erlacher 
I mean, was there ever a, like a nose guard and linebacker combination like that? Perfect. I'm sure there was. That's perfect, I just don't though. know much That's about perfect, it. Though. Um, I got one more. I got one more for you, Coach, about the draft. And I, and I was reading this, and obviously you don't know how much in the papers is true or not, but it said in 1991 uh, the top tackles were uh, Antoine Davis, Charles McCray, both out of Tennessee, and Pat Harlow from Southern California. Mm-hmm. And they all went in the top 10 or 11 picks, I think. But it says here, Coach, that you you knew you wanted Eric Williams mm-hmm. from Central State. Is that the same thing you saw in him over those guys? Uh, Owen, it's exactly the same thing. Gotcha. I mean, I, I, we went and watched the film, and Antoine Davis' effort, Charles McCray and on the edge. Harlow was a very fine player, but there was a little bit of an early report that he may have a back issue. Okay, mm-hmm. so Pat Harlow was clearly was the best player. The other two guys, as we're talking. I would watch the guy kind of stepped around that guy, whatever that thing. Well, we put the film on Eric Williams on. He's from, you know, whoever he's playing makes no difference. He was trying to murder people. <laughs> and, 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 I love it. And, I, and I'm being serious. That, so you said, and, and this is an absolute fact. We yeah. go, Dick Mansberger was running the draft at Dallas wonderful man he he is good as there is and he knew what was going on and i remember we got called in or i got called in let's go line so they had had their grades and okay now tony what's your opinion and i says well i'm gonna go with eric williams first pat harlow and and dick mansberger looked at me he says tony i have no problem with that i understand where you're coming from but we just can't wait eric for so I, you know, it was one of those things. Everybody was on the same page. We we understand where your grade is on this guy, and so it, we were. It worked out fine. It no. just it worked out fine. Is we ended up now. I go I, I, I take one. So Eric, I'm the college mentality. I want the kid to earn the position. Earn the position. Well. Uh, Eric's second team right tackle. Now, again, as you guys know, uh, the first team end is, is holding out. So the second team end was playing first team. So the third team end was, you know, probably a, a walk on was going to go up against Eric. So we put the, you know, every single practice again. He was trying to murder this guy. <laughs> See, that's that's a stat that you can't measure at the combine. Like they need, you like can't. you can't measure that. Hey, coach. Hey, coach. If I put together my draft sheet, all I'm gonna put on there is is, is he trying to murder the guy? Murder. That's, hey. that, well, that, that, that's, that's a new thing, man. That's a whole line right there. I understand. Baby. I understand. That's not. That's uh, what he called. Uh, there's a word for that nowadays. Yeah, it's but, not politically uh, correct, but right. but but it's all right on the it's all right on a no name podcast on a no name right. podcast. Right. It works. I don't know what else you could call it though. I mean, there's no other way. I mean, Jimmy coach, would you... come in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So man. Jimmy came in after Jimmy would come in after every practice. Eric's going to be the starting right tackle, and I would give him the. I don't deny that. I'd give him a little bit of the college routine of, gosh, we got to have him earn his spot, and we got to have him earn his spot. <laughs> so because Jimmy likes me, I was able to hold him off for about four days. And the fifth day, again, Eric's out there just I mean, he, he, mm. So Jimmy just said, Tony, it's over. I don't care <laughs> oh, where man. the rest of these guys go. That's awesome, man. I want – I want Eric Williams in the lineup tomorrow morning at practice. That's and I beautiful. Says, well, I says, Tui, Tui at left is as tough as they come. Mm-hmm. I says, we can move Tui from left. So I says, let's put him at right, and we moved Nate Newton to guard. Mm-hmm. Mark Tui, one of my heroes growing up in Hawaii, man. Rest in peace. Well, again, yeah. again, is as tough as, mm-hmm. again, when you're talking about toughness now, Here's the thing people don't understand is he's got Lawrence Taylor, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, Lawrence Taylor whips him and gets near Troy or whatever you want to call it. But he has the mental toughness not to go in the tank. Right. And the next down, he's right there because it's Lawrence Taylor again. Mm-hmm. And 
that's what people don't realize about this. You got Lawrence Taylor twice a year. You got Clyde Simmons twice a year. Clyde was Clyde was a great player, but coach man, we, we can't thank you enough for being our first guest. Uh, we couldn't You're think of anybody welcome. better. Definitely, thanks, coach. Thanks, all, all your great insights. Matt, great to talk to you. You too, all right, coach. All right, coach. All right, man. So, brother, I know we've been talking about the run game and the offensive line, and I want to talk a little bit about of you know we talked about free agency as well. Um, one of the big question marks in this offseason is Allen Robinson. You know, a guy who's up for free agency, a guy who's been, you know, highly productive here in Chicago. You look at his numbers just from last year. I mean, 102 catches, 1,250 yards receiving, but he also had six touchdowns. Uh, obviously, the number one receiver by far on your roster. You know, every game he, he's going, making a big play. He came through, regardless of who the quarterback was. I mean, mm-hmm. you had to transition from Trubisky. Trubisky gets benched. You bring in Foles. Foles gets benched. You bring back Trubisky. But the one constant throughout that whole time was the productivity of Allen Robinson. So, you know, Allen Robinson has, has felt that, you know, a contract should be done, hasn't gotten done. You know, players, obviously we have feelings, we have egos, mm-hmm. you know, we've been in contract situations. Um, he's a guy, in my opinion, who I feel like you definitely need to be back. He needs to come back because he is a bona fide number one receiver and he's done it for, for years, every year since he's been here. And when you look at if Allen Robinson doesn't come back, you look at the wide receiver on the roster. You got Javon Wims. I call him Javon the Champ Wims. And we know why I call him that, brother. <laughs> Javon the Champ Wims, baby. Darnell Mooney. You know, you know what's the craziest, the craziest thing about, I don't mean to go off track here, but the craziest thing about when the Javon Wims threw that two-piece oh, on, on okay? The play or two or three plays before, he was lined up on the same guy mm-hmm. to run block him, right? And mm-hmm. if you're going to go after somebody, right? No better time than it's a run play. I right. mean, Jay, if I'm mad, I'm going to grab his face mask, yank yeah. up to the ground, hopefully punch him under the pile so the ref doesn't see it, <laughs> right. right? Right. He he waited. You know what it reminded me of? Remember when you are in school and two guys were hoping the teacher broke it up? Yep. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, I, the, I digress. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and like I said, all right, so Javon the Chant Wims, Darnell Mooney, who was a, a pleasant surprise last year, a rookie who came in and did really well. I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh you know, as long as they can develop him, like we talked about earlier in the show, he's got to continue to develop, but he shows a lot of promise. Anthony Miller's question mark. You know, we don't know if he's going to be back or not. Another guy has been in the system for a while. Dwayne Harris, they brought in last year. Riley Ridley, a guy who they drafted, another guy that needs to develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cordero Patterson. So I got him listed as wide receiver because he's a wide receiver, but a guy that can do a lot of things in the return game, obviously, but also plays running back. And then uh, DeAndre Carter. So those are the guys on your roster that you have if you don't bring back Allen Robinson. Now, Allen Robinson leaves. You know, my question for you is, brother, with the list that I just gave you, do you bring in another guy as a free agent who will, regardless, you know, he may may have been a known on another team, regardless of who that guy is, but he's an unknown in Chicago, a guy who hasn't done it in this environment, this climate, you know, with this team like Allen Robinson has? Or do you rely on one of the guys that I mentioned, you know, that's still on the roster if Allen Robinson does, you know, leave via free agency? Yeah, and, and, and J-Mac, if I'm a general manager and I talk so much about culture and the way our team gets along and what's important to me, and it seems like Ryan Pace and Coach Nagy constantly talk about their culture mm-hmm. and how everybody gets along and they're, you know, they're, they're uh, vanilla ice, they collaborate, and, and they, they, that's, what they, that's what they look for, right? <laughs> right. I, Alan Robinson seems like a no-brainer to me. Like, I thought... <laughs> <laughs> the vanilla the ice vanilla like ice. guy. <laughs> Owens freestyle, <laughs> vanilla ice, collaborate and, and listen. listen. We'll put that We'll put that in the podcast. Uh, um, I thought he was going to be a no-brainer. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. he's asking for more money mm-hmm. than Ryan Pace thinks he deserves or when they look at their quarterback situation, which is something we haven't even gotten to on our first podcast, which is right. seems to me their most important situation, and that's going to be a whole nother podcast. But they're trying to save their money for that guy or maybe a tackle or or, or who, who knows what else. But if you are the team you say you are, if you like the guys you say you like, if you want football players, guys who are pros, by pros we mean in the NFL, J-Mac, we mean uh, they know their plays, they show up every day, yep. they work hard, they don't complain. Allen Robinson now, I, I don't know what he's asking for, but if he's asking for anywhere in the in the vicinity of a Keenan Allen, what Keenan Allen got, right. I, I think you pay the guy, right? I think you sure. give him his money. For sure. I mean, when you look at 
the passing game from last year or the, or the past few years. I mean, the emphasis is on Allen Robinson. I mean, when you're a defensive coordinator and you're, you know, devi- devising a game plan against the Bears, who's the number one focal point? It's not Javon Wims. Mm-mm. It's not Anthony Miller. Uh, it's not Jimmy Graham. It's not Cole, uh, Jimmy Graham. It's not Cole Komet. It's Allen Robinson. Right. And regardless, he's the main focal point in that passing game. And, and like I said before, when you look at the quarterbacks, whether it was Mitch in there, whether it was Foles in there, who's the guy that they looked at majority all the time? It's Allen Robinson. Uh-huh. And if Allen Robinson, right, if he if, if they didn't get the ball to him early in the passing game, you didn't get him, you know, greased up and involved in the passing game, the passing game struggled. Right. It struggles. So, I mean, that's like, I mean, I mean, I know there's a lot of holes in this offense that we need, but Allen Robinson, I mean, to a guy who's still, you know, in a contract dispute or whatever is happening right now, I think is a guy that you, in my opinion, most definitely have to bring back. Right. And, and even in that run where they scored uh, 35 points a game, they played the Lions, uh, the Texans. They played the Vikings, and then they played the Jaguars. You know, I know for sure the Lions, the Texans, and the Jaguars, all the worst defenses in the NFL. I think 32, 31, and 30. But when the reason why they couldn't load up and stop the run is because they had no one to cover Allen Robinson. And whenever they tried to load the run, Allen Robinson was beating them on the outside. So – I don't like like we said we don't know all the numbers in that right. whole situation. I imagine they franchise tag him and try to get something done, yeah. right? But but um, he's not going to be happy about the franchise tag, and and that's something on another podcast we should talk about at some point in the CBA. They got to try to get rid of that franchise tag because yeah. uh, that is a that is a way to really screw players. I remember I think it was two thousand and two. After the 2001 year, I was a free agent, and Jerry Angelo had made me a few couple offers. And being from Hawaii, J Mac, I was excited about the offer because right. I, you know, you don't hear about money like that. And my agent said, "Just wait, you'll get more." Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, "Like, what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> it's a lot. Right? <laughs> it's a lot of money." But uh, eventually, the Miami Dolphins did offer me more, yeah. and then I actually got more money from the Bears to resign. Right, but the Dolphins actually offered me more than the Bears. But I wanted to come back and play with uh, the offensive line that was there that year. Uh, another good story I have is um, to my last year here, 2010, I remember I was a free agent, had that lock. You remember that lockout? They had a lockout yeah, the whole time. Lockout. So um, I didn't hear from Jerry Angelo for a while, right? And uh, I kept calling my agent. My agent was saying, you know, other teams want to talk to you. And I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back and be a bear. Like, yeah. why in my 14th year would I talk to anybody else, right? So being me, I drive over to Hallis Hall, J Mac, right? And I wanna I wanna, I wanna go talk to Jerry Angel. So you should see people's faces when I when the door when I open the door and they're like, oh 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 and I go, is is, is Jerry here, right? So they put me in this meeting room, Jay, and, and Jerry Angel comes in, he's like, you know, uh, would you pay the same for a new car that you would an old car? And I was like, Jerry, I'm asking for what Jeff Saturday right. and Matt Burke got, right? And and he says it again. Would you pay the same? Anyway, the moral of the story is I went to talk to him. Almost got too involved yeah. in in the in the negotiation yeah. of it all, and then became personal. For right? Sure. I almost think you almost want to tell guys like Alan Robinson that what I wish I told my agent was just call me and tell me the offer. Yeah. Don't tell me what they're saying. Uh, I don't. I shouldn't have been over there talking to them. Just tell me what they're offering because what had happened was there were some things said between me and Jerry Angel, and I love Jerry Angel. He yeah. he paid me uh, good money. He was a good general manager when I was here. He's a really good guy. Um, I'm just talking about that situation. There was things said between us. Yeah. That I couldn't forgive. Yeah. I couldn't forgive, and it got to a point of where I'm not coming back. Yeah. And that's just that. And I think that can happen to players sometimes. And I hope that doesn't happen here for Allen Robinson because I think he's a really good Chicago Bear. He represents the city and the team really well. And he's the kind of guy you win football games with. Definitely. And that goes back to what you're saying with your situation. It's a matter of, you know, you showed that passion that you wanted to be a Chicago Bear that you wanted to be you wanted to finish your career here one because you got drafted here you're invested here you're invested in the community but you also you care about this franchise you know you embody the you embody 
what this franchise is about. And you showed that by going there and, you know, letting him know. But like you said, it, it's definitely a business as we know. Um, you know, money talks in this business. And, and, and you know, hopefully, like you said, Allen Robinson will be back because he is, he does have that that toughness that Coach Wise was talking about. Mm, but he has it at that point. wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. You know, he has that toughness. So regardless if it's negative 10 degrees outside, 50 degrees outside, whatever, Allen Robinson is going to show up and be Allen Robinson each game and you, and when you have a constant like that in your offense I feel like that's something that you can't get rid of you can't let go just like you said that, uh, that old car new car well mm-hmm. if I got a reliable engine right in an old Cadillac right well he's still new though he, right he's still yeah, young yeah he's still he's young, young but young I mean guy. it's like a Cadillac though right mm-hmm. so you got a Cadillac right it's reliable it may not look like that Lamborghini right but hey that Cadillac's reliable it's been there for you, you may have 100,000 miles on it but it's reliable it's been through you know drove through the snow you know drove it through the heat air conditioning may, may work half the time but it's reliable right and, and you have a reliable Allen Robinson I mean that's something you cannot get rid of in my opinion now and you're to me you're right and and that's such a great point you made was that you know, there's names out there this year for the for the wide receiver class, yeah. right? Kenny Galladay out of yeah. Detroit, really good football player. Good player. Chris Godwin, good football player. Juju Smith-Schuster, I, I'm not a big fan. Uh, I think you got to be good enough to dance on people's logos. Yeah, I, I don't think he's good Juju's enough. Too, yeah. yeah. But what but what you said that Coach Wise said, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that toughness, even at the wide receiver position. Allen Robinson, to me, um, if you don't want that kind of guy in your locker room, th- then who do you want, right? And then yeah. again, we. we our, the whole first part of this pod, the whole first part of this podcast was the personnel decisions have have been what has really hampered the offense. And think about it, Jay. We talked about the personnel decisions. We didn't talk about because it's been talked to death. Right. The Mr. Trubisky draft pick and the quarterback decisions. Mike Glennon, uh, Mr. Trubisky, Chase <laughs> Daniel. Right. We're going to keep Tyler Bray on the roster. We're not going to develop a young quarterback, draft a guy, even when you know that Mr. Trubisky may be not your guy. Right. It's, it's a lot of questions, um, like you said. Even even with those wide receivers, you mentioned all those guys. Galladay, you mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster. Obviously, if, if we give him a TikTok contract, we'll take him. If not, we, we don't want him. Um, <laughs> we don't want that. But we don't want that, you know. But Well, you, if you're good enough, we do. Right? If yeah. you're good enough, to be like if, you, if you're that guy who can right. dance on people, but, hey. but don't get blown up right. and, and almost taken out of the game exactly. after you're dancing on people's logos. Exactly. So, yeah, we'll see, man. I, I hope they do bring back Allen Robinson. You know, I really do. I think he's something that regardless on who you bring in a quarterback or who's there, I think any quarterback would love to have an Allen Robinson, you know, at their disposal to be able to get the, get the ball to. So we'll see what happens. Well, Jay, man, uh, that went fast. It was our first one. Uh, we have a lot to, re- to, to cover even more. You know, we, we got to cover the development of players. We had a lot we want to get to. Yeah. Uh, cover the quarterback situation. Uh, Sean Desai is their new defensive coordinator. Why the defense has regressed. Why we think that. How come they can't get the turnovers they got in 2018. Oh, let me take that back. My two partners, Lance Briggs and Alex Brown on NBC Sports <laughs> Chicago, which I know. I'm going to hear about this. We're yeah. gonna, we'll have them on. Yeah. The takeaways. Yeah. They, they, they say, the offensive guys, we, we want to believe we just right. turned over. Right. Do you know, I, I think it was 2011 or 12. I'll look it up exactly. And I asked him about this. I think it was Lovey's last year. Do you know they had 44 takeaways that year? I believe Jay, it. they were plus 20. I believe it. I believe it. How the hell did he not make the playoffs? They were, yeah. boy, they were 10 and 6, right? That's crazy. Plus 20, Jay. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned all those turnovers and takeaways and stuff like that. But you look at you look at the defenses that, that, that we got to play with and the guys on the defense. I mean, they excelled in turning it over, you know, forcing turnovers. I mean, Peanut Tillman, Lance Briggs, Brian Erlacher, you know, Alex Brown, Alawali Gunley. I can name all them guys, but... They were always, yet they made big plays, but they had knack, a knack for making a bigger play. You know, Peanut forcing a fumble, Lansbury picks it up, returns it. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. And, you know, the first year you may have said, all right, they're turning it over, they're getting lucky, but they did it every single mm. year. And when you have guys like that on your defense, obviously it made it easier, easier for us as an offense to have, you know, those type of defenses, uh, you know, on our team. Well, Jay, 
we better stop us. We're not going to go home tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm real cooler next time. Just pack the beers in. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> Bring man. Bring some food. But but I enjoyed it, man. And, and uh, looking forward to more podcasts, uh, more subjects. And we'll get the fans in on this and, and just telling us exactly what they want to hear. And we'll give it to them. Sounds good, brother. Good time, Chicago. We love you. Take care.